This podcast discusses violence, drug use, and other adult themes. Listener discretion is advised. All right, welcome back to another episode of Breaking Pod, Season 5, Episode 3. This is Hazard Pay, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Josh Goldman, the man who I just found out has never had a cup of coffee in his life. Josh, how are you, first of all? Second of all, why? <laughs> tell, tell me more about this. I did not know this about you until literally 10 seconds ago. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, uneventful weekend. We're recording on the weekend and, uh, you know, uneventful, but but nice to take a break from work. And uh, yes, I've never had coffee in my life. And this uh, this just came up because I saw Zach uh, dispose of a cup of coffee. And I said, oh, is that coffee? And he said, yeah. And I said, you know, I've never had a cup of coffee in my life. And I don't know. I don't know. When do people normally start drinking coffee? Is it high school? Is it college? I mean, I feel like college is when people start to say, look, I need some caffeine because, you know, I'm getting I'm tired. I have pulled an all nighter for work or for school or something like that. So I don't know. Maybe I just missed the window. But I will say that anytime in TV shows, movies, including in Breaking Bad, whenever people are having a cup of coffee, I can't relate. I, I just don't understand. Like, what, what is that like? I don't know. This is amazing. So do you really dislike the smell? So you've just never even tried it? I actually really like the smell of coffee. I've just never, I, I feel like maybe, maybe at this point, it's gotten to the point where, you know, people say, well, you know, your first time, you might want to have a lot of cream, a lot of sugar. It's kind of bitter. I don't know how you drink your coffee, but, you know, uh, I've just never, I don't know. I don't know what the best entryway into coffee is. And, and at this point, I'm in my 30s and I've just never had it. So this is amazing. So at Starbucks, what's your go to drink? Are you like a chai latte guy? I will do a hot chocolate. Okay. But I don't like things too hot. So like a warm chocolate is good. So some, is some people ask for like the extra hot milk. and you're like, can I have the hot chocolate? Lukewarm. Lukewarm, please. <laughs> yeah. Can I have the lukewarm chocolate? This is amazing. And, uh, yeah. I guess I've done the, uh, the like, what are the frappuccinos, but not not the coffee version, which is just like a milkshake. So like really. the the vanilla frappuccino, so, for example. Yeah, which is just a vanilla milkshake. <laughs> if it has a coffee much. base, you've said no. <laughs> I said no, thank you. This is and amazing. I'm not a coffee ice cream person. But yeah, I, so what so what is what is the entryway into coffee? Is it college? It typically would you say? Well, I'm a bad person to ask because my dad has been a coffee addict his entire adult life, and he started me on coffee before I was 10 years old, and I would drink it black. And so, yeah. uh, for, for probably two decades after that, I drank it black, um, because my dad said, this is how real men drink it. This is how they <laughs> drank it in the British Royal Navy, et cetera. He's a big Anglophile and, um, he just loves, loves all things England. And so I was like, well, I've, I guess I, I've got to drink it black cause I want to be a real man like my dad. And then, uh, after college, someone told me, um, well, first of all, I mean, it was, it was, uh, you know, by the time I reached college, I realized real men can also drink their coffee <laughs> with cream in it yeah, or so sugar. Or whatever. Many ways, many ways. But I had just yeah. been in this habit of drinking it black, and I had really never had it with cream in it. And then in grad school, a friend of mine told me, "Well, you know what? Cream's actually good in coffee because it neutralizes the tooth staining properties of black coffee." I don't know if that's true. Mm, okay. But I embraced it because it then gave me a good reason to try coffee with cream. And once sure. I did, there was no going back. So I'm a coffee with yeah. cream, no sugar guy in my coffee. Got it. But yeah, Got I think it. I mean for me it was. Definitely college was the gateway to like regular coffee because you know, you're just tired all the time. Right. Staying up late, yeah. all nighters, you know, you name it. So I was yeah. not I was never like a rock star Red Bull guy. I was a coffee guy. Yeah. So let me so let me get the timeline here. So you went from mother's milk to rice cereal 
to coffee pretty much that's essentially correct yeah i, I skipped apple <laughs> yeah. juice entirely <laughs> yeah exactly yeah so i guess when i was in college i just you know I, i've always i've never been in like a huge huge soda drinker but i do like soda and i guess any caffeine i would need came from soda um and it, i and i guess there is actually less caffeine in in soda anyway so maybe i just i don't know maybe i just didn't need the caffeine but are you still a you know, soda college, guy yeah i drink some I, I i my favorite is coke that's my go-to uh, I think uh, Pepsi just is a sad imitation of, of Coke. I tend to agree but, with that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no other. And, and for a while I was off soda too. So I had no caffeine for actually like the first couple of years of my, my first firstborn's life. So like getting little sleep and having no caffeine, people were like, so what do you drink? And I was like, water, I guess, uh, you know, like, I don't know. It's, it's weird. I feel like now, is it too late to try coffee? Maybe, no. maybe I'll ask you off the podcast what's what's a recommendation you can tell me now if you want to what's a what's a good a good coffee i don't want a bad coffee for my first one yeah i mean i'm i'm certainly not a connoisseur there are there are several people who would steer you far away from starbucks but i think that's sure. it's not it's not a bad place to start i would say right. like just go like get a medium roast i would say try it with cream uh, yeah. maybe try it with sugar just to get a flavor for it but i would say if you want like the authentic coffee experience go Medium roast, but then try a little bit of cream because you don't want to get okay. you don't want to get like the full bitterness of black. So I would go coffee with a little bit of cream. Uh, you know what I would say actually as an intro, you know we we might have missed the boat for this, but I would say an intro like iced coffee, like a little a little iced oh, okay. latte. Um, oh, interesting. That might be a good okay. way to go. I'm, I'm I'm a big iced latte guy in the summertime. Well, you know I've never said said no to an iced drink, and I will say in in closing this this chapter on this uh, coffee discussion as we uh, as we discuss are, uh, Breaking are, Bad. <laughs> Yeah, my parents are huge coffee drinkers, and they grind their own beans every morning since I since I can remember. So I'm that's the way to do it. Surprised I never I never tried it before. But you know, I will say this is just a little tease for a future episode of Breaking Bad that we're going to talk about later this season. Maybe it's a good thing I'm not a coffee drinker because you never know what you could go know. in inside the coffee. So yikes! For those of you who have seen the ep the uh, the season before, that'll make sense. But for those of you who are just watching for the first time, stay tuned. There's also that might be coming up. There's a movie I watched recently called Due Date. It was on Netflix. I'm not sure if it's still. Oh is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Have yeah. you seen that with Zach Galifianakis and Robert? I've Dan seen. Jr. I've seen parts of it. Yeah. So there's <laughs> there's a scene there where they accidentally Zach Galifianakis's character keeps his father's ashes in a. Uh, like a Folgers coffee cup and oh yeah <laughs> another character accidentally makes coffee with it uh, I, I digress very far um, anyway season five episode three this is hazard pay let's dive right into the two-minute summary Josh and then we'll talk about some other stuff and make our selections all right here we go from Wikipedia Walter moves back into the house to Skylar's dismay Walter Mike and Jesse meet with Saul to discuss finding a new place to cook in quotes scare quotes they use a pest control business as a cover, cooking in the houses that have been tented over. When it comes time to divide the earnings of their first cook, Walter is upset about the amount of money going to Mike's former men, whose assets were seized when they were arrested. Walter hints to Jesse that he may consider an attempt to remedy this situation. The end. What do you think of that one, Josh? Yeah, more like a 45-second summary. Yeah. You know, it does hit some major points, but it does leave out some other key points. Like, it doesn't talk at all about uh, sort of Skylar's role other than the very beginning mentioning Skylar. I mean, she has a, she has another interesting scene in this, you know, I, I feel like it doesn't quite cover everything that it needs to cover. So I'll give it a C minus. I'm going with the straight up D here, Josh, you know that I'm a little bit of a, uh, I'm a little bit of a grammar snob. Uh, I was yeah. going to say aficionado, but I'll just call a spade a spade. I'm a grammar snob. Uh, and 
you know, they end a prep end a sentence with a preposition when they say the houses that have been tented over. I also think they should have said they use a pest control business as cover rather than as a cover. Although I do kind of like the wordplay there where you're using a business as a cover and then you actually cook in the houses that are literally covered, but um, probably not intentional by the probably author. Not, probably not. I also just not, this is not a grammar issue, but I love how there are four references to Walt here and every instance is Walter, <laughs> Walter, <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe Mike wrote this. Maybe so. Yeah. Walter. Walter? Yeah. He's Walter? I think he's the only one has Gus. I think even Gus says Walt. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think Mike's the only one who says Walter. I mean, Skyler certainly says Walt. Yeah. Um, Walter, this is how things are going to (laughs) be. We got to hazard pay. Can I also just say, why is Cook Cook in parentheses? I mean, if you're this far into the the show, you know what Cook means. Yes. They're not opening a restaurant. Very true. Um, A little little silly. Yeah. They do need to find a new crystal ship, though, as we discussed. (laughs) All right. So D from me, C minus from you. Um, Trivia and bloopers. So I was doing some research on this. Uh, Most of my research on this is just from like IMDB, but I troll some uh, Breaking Bad Reddit forums here and there. And one of the kind of interesting things, I don't know if you're a fan of Black Mirror, Josh, but there's a episode of that called USS Callister. Have you seen that? I have not seen that one, but I've seen a lot of the earlier Black Mirror episodes. So Callister, some of the earlier ones are disturbing, including the... um, that like British one, I think it was, is it the first? That's the, the very pilot? first one. Very, yeah. very bizarre. Very disturbing. Um, that basically made me stop watching Black Mirror. I tried that and I was like, nope, I'm out. But I heard good things about USS Callister. So I went back, went back and watched that. That is actually really, really good. Highly recommend. But anyway, yeah. Todd Alquist, um, who is played by Jesse Plemons in Breaking Bad. Um, so Todd, Al- Todd Alquist's character obviously shows up alongside Jesse Pinkman, played by Aaron Paul here. They also show up in that episode together. So Aaron Paul basically has a guest cameo as a guy named Gamer691. You never see him. You just hear his voice in the in the show. And Jesse Plemons, who plays Todd Aquas in Breaking Bad, plays the main character in um, in that Black Mirror episode. So that's kind of a fun little thing. This is the, their first appearance together, and the Black Mirror one is their second appearance together. Um, also, this is kind of a goof. And I would have no idea of knowing this, and I just trust the internet's word for it because, you know, the internet. But um, Walt, when they're looking for a new place to, quote, cook, uh, Walt points out one of their facilities has what he calls a corrugator. And then it goes on to explain all the reasons why they can't possibly cook there because it has a corrugator there. Well, that machine is apparently not a corrugator, Josh, but it is a folder gluer. And a corrugator, Mm -hmm. if it was a corrugator, would apparently be much, much bigger because you need a heck of a lot more floor space to have a corrugator. So... Again, I know nothing about that. I just take the internet's word for it because the internet knows everything. Curse you, Breaking Bad forums. Exactly. <laughs> Poking holes in the things that really matter. Right, precisely. So that's what I have for trivia and bloopers, Josh. Anything to add? Yeah. No, nothing to add to that. Um, I, I do want to talk generally about this episode, though, just before we get into our best scene, best moment, best writing. I, you know, I was watching this episode and then I was I, I sort of scrubbed through it again when I'm when I'm trying to pull timestamps for you to pull uh, scene quotes. And so I sort of I wouldn't say I watch it again, but I've sort of watched little clips here and there. You know, the first time I watched it, I thought this is a pretty interesting episode. The second time I watched it, I, I, I don't know if I love this episode. I mean, I love parts of it, but until you get to the end, which we're going to talk about because uh, we're going to talk about this, this sort of confrontation between Mike, Walt and Jesse. Nothing. Yeah, I mean, certainly they find a new place to to cook their meth, and there are some other interesting moments. But as a whole, I don't know if this episode really does it for me. So I actually completely agree with you, and I would say the same critique from my end applies to the next episode as well. Also, don't love the next episode. Interesting. Um, yeah, but I mean, 
I was going through trying to find like my scene nominations, writing nominations, and there's nothing that really jumps out at me as like, yeah. this is superb. So I was kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel to try to find stuff. I felt the same way. Yeah. yeah. I actually had an easier time in season five, episode four, which we'll talk about uh, in the next episode. So we'll wait for that. But yeah, that that's, I think what I came to here, I had a little trouble sort of deciphering what is really the best scene, best moment, best writing. Well, speaking of that, let's just dive right in. We'll start with your best scene, Josh. I'll play it right here and then we'll talk about it. Legacy cost, $351,000, that's 117,000 each. Legacy cost? I got nine guys. You don't know them, but they were part of the previous operation and they know a lot. And right now, some of them are in jail and more will be soon. The feds recode their hazard pay. So, we are gonna make them whole. We are gonna make them whole. What is this we? These were Gus's employees, not ours. They might have been Gus's employees, but they're my guys. Yeah, I just like this. You know, this is the most tense moment for me in in the episode, and it's it's really well acted by by you know all the all three of the actors in this situation, and I feel like it does set up sort of what's coming next in the next couple episodes, and and I really feel like this is again a situation where Walt feels like he's in the right no matter what. But what I find interesting about it is that we don't often see someone who stands up to him fully and Mike, you know, fully stands up to him. And, and not just that, he sort of, they sort of are about the same height. So they look eye to eye and they're looking across the table at each other. And I just found this, this confrontation, this interaction really interesting. And it certainly was one of those moments where you're like, is Walt really going to die on this hill where he's like, not going to let Mike take the money and we'll find out later, you know, sort of the conclusion to this. But this this does not end here. This sort of like needing to to keep these nine guys in prison or outside of prison at this moment quiet. So we're going to see this pay off later. But, you know, it's just, you know, because of that, that's why I think this is the best scene, because it really does set up a lot of things to come. Yeah, I think that's right. I agree with your point, too, about this being the sort of high point of the tension in this episode. I think it's interesting because... Like, I'm actually kind of on Walt's side here. I think that, like, the way Mike is going about this, like you said, this is just, like, the very beginning of the tension here. But he doesn't give Walt or Jesse any advance notice about this. Like, when they're talking about partnerships and splitting money, et cetera, there's no discussion of, quote, legacy costs. And these legacy costs are substantial, right? It's not like they're each giving up, like, $117,000 per person. Each, yeah, each. Each, yeah. Um, And so, like, the fact that, you know, they're caught off guard by that, I think, is completely understandable. It's, like, $350,000 out of every cook, you know? And so, um, you know, I, I think it's interesting. Like, it's an interesting kind of power play on Mike's part Normally, he's so subdued, and he's even subdued in the way he goes about this, but he just, like, matter-of-factly states as he's, you know, putting up all... He's, like, separating the money for the transporters, the money for the pest control guys, and then legacy costs with this, you know, this insane number. Um, Don't forget about Saul Goodman's 18%. Of course. Thank you. Yeah, very, very, uh, very true. (laughs) So uh, I'm kind of with Walt here um, that, like, Mike's kind of pulling this out of the blue, and it is kind of Mike's problem. They are Mike's guys, um, who were part of the previous operation, you know, not working for Walt previously. Um, so I, I agree with Walt, but I just like you're, you're uh, pointing out that this is like the beginning of trouble to come. Yeah. And, and I really feel like, yes, Mike definitely did not handle the, the approach well here, but I, I feel like he's not wrong in saying like there, there are problem because 
if they start talking, it's all going to come back to you anyway. Like you were also a part of Gus's operation. Like you did the cooking, but you were part of that. And right. if they decide to snitch, then that's your problem. Now, could he have gone about it in a different way? Yeah, probably. And pre- he probably should have. But we also know that Mike, you know, goes by the beat of his own drum and he's not going to be dictated to. And so I feel like he's always wanting to do it his way and maybe had a little bit more leeway with with the way that Gus worked. But now he's in a situation where Walt is going to be very blunt with him. And that comes to a head here. Yeah, well, I feel like it's also Mike kind of testing the waters, right? Like, let me, you know, that Mike is clearly an alpha. Walt is clearly an alpha. And so Mike's just like, this is the way it's going to be. And I'm not even going to consult him about it because this is just the way it has to be. So legacy costs, you know, let me take it. I want to ask you one more thing about this scene because we can't forget that Jesse's also witness to all of this. But Jesse's reaction is really interesting. He he basically tries to to cut the tension down the middle and say, look, just take it all for mine. We'll figure this out later. And I guess what I want to ask you is, if that's the case, if Jesse's just willing to give a huge, huge chunk of his money back to this to, to quash any beef here, why is he doing this? Like the whole point of this is to make money. Is it because it's something that he feels like he's good at and and he doesn't have anything else to do? I mean, he has been miraculously smarter with his money than pretty much everybody else. Like he's the one who fronted the cost to sort of get the the meth cooking back going under the, you know, the guise of this pest company, but why is he why is he continuing on if he's just going to say like, you know what, just take my money. It doesn't matter. I mean, maybe he really feels like it's going to come to blows and he doesn't want to be collateral damage. But even still, they're going to continue forward with this. And there's clearly tension that's unresolved. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, um, I think like Jesse's never really cared that much about money. You know, he's cared about like living the life that he wants to live. And I think he's proven he's able to do that on far less than he makes from the cook. So I think he's just like, look, I'd rather make $20,000 a cook than you know, $140,000 if that's what it takes, you know, to have like peace between these two business partners of mine. Yeah. But I think it's, it's interesting. Just like the, it highlights the character differences and the different priorities. I mean, uh, Mike and Walt are in this alpha male standoff and Jesse's like, guys, stop it. Like knock it off. (laughs) And ironically, it's like, he's the adult presiding over some dueling toddlers, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, my uh, audio or my scene, I don't have audio for. It's the conversation between Walt and Marie um, in which Walt basically tells Marie that uh, Skyler cheated on him. I like this conversation for a couple of reasons. One, it just shows Walt being absolutely cutthroat in what I think is the most cutthroat kind of way. I mean, like Mike can be aggressive and assertive, but he says what's on his mind, period. He doesn't scheme. He calls it like it is. He says it like he, he calls it like he sees it. Walt is obviously always scheming, and this is yet another example. He's trying to um, make Skyler look bad in front of Marie, and so he tells her, he acts very, like, genuine and authentic about it, but he tells her that, you know, that Skyler cheated on on him with Ted. And that's all to cover what's really going on, which is that Skyler is really, really upset because Walt is back in the in the cooking game. So um, I think that's interesting. I also think Betsy Brandt, who plays Marie, just does a really, really good job in that scene. Um, whenever she gets these moments to shine, I'm really impressed. I mean, just like when um, Walt was in the hospital uh, or, or uh, Hank was in the hospital after getting shot, we had a few episodes where Betsy Brandt had had a lot of lines and featured very prominently in the episode. And I think this is another one kind of like that for her. Um, she is speaking with 
Skylar earlier in the car wash. There's a big scene there that we'll talk about in just a moment. And then with Walt, and she's just really, really good. And I think she does a very good job in that scene. She's like just, just a very compassionate person, always wearing purple, of course. Um, but it's just it's just what she does, and it's just who she is. And I like that scene a lot. My runner up for that scene or for best scene is that montage of location scouting when they are looking for a new place to cook. And I just I just love the cinematography there and the setup um, and some of the things that happen and the, some of the dialogue as they're going from spot to spot looking for where to cook. And uh, it, it sort of ends with them looking at, you know, a final location. And then uh, Jesse says, like, he starts listing all the reasons why this isn't going to work. And then Walt's like, it's perfect. <laughs> and Jesse's <laughs> like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. It's just a good scene. So. I think. I think there is too. Now that you mentioned the the montage of locations, I'm pretty sure that there is sort of a there's a callback later in the prequel, Better Call Saul, when he takes them to the laser tag place. Because right. I'm pretty sure there's a there's a moment in Better Call Saul where there's a discussion of purchasing a laser tag place as a front for something else. So this could be like Saul trying to tap back into the well again, being like, "Well, it didn't work for me, but maybe it'll work for you." And it's of course laser L A Z E R. Yeah. That's the only true way to spell laser, laser for laser tag. tag. Yeah, exactly. I will say about I will say about this this between Walt and Marie. I, you just got to feel bad for Skylar because Skylar is really upset that Walt has moved back in, and we didn't really talk about that scene at the beginning, but he's pretty much like, "It's time that I move back in," and Skylar's like, "What? Like you didn't even ask me?" Yeah. And this is going to come to a head in the next episode, which I'm excited to talk about. But yeah, this it, it it's so unfortunate for her as a character because not only is she deeply uncomfortable with Walt living with the family again, she's now having this deep, dark secret revealed, the IFT moment revealed to her sister, which is only going to make Skylar look bad. And it's just, you know, to your point, it's just a really dark way for Walt to sort of squirm out of the situation again. Not that we're surprised that he's doing that, but he's all about self-preservation for himself and for his business but it's just really sad for Skylar. Yeah, I completely agree with you. In fact, my my favorite moment of this episode relates to that because it's when Skylar has her little minor freak out in the car wash when Marie's talking to her. Skylar, you're not smoking around a baby, are you? And you can't smoke here. There's got to be some rule or regulation. I'm sure you can't force your employees to breathe secondhand smoke. I know for a fact that that is illegal. Marie, shut up. What? I'm sorry. Please don't speak to me like that. I am simply saying that you Will can't you shut up? Your, hey. Shut the hell up. Shut up. Shut up. Skyler, shut up. Shut up. I, shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Shut hey. up. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. So I counted 14 different shut ups in there one of which was uh, also a shut the hell up so uh this is zach what was she t what was she trying to tell marie there I, it's, I it's, I it's I not totally clear out. yeah you have to sort of read between <laughs> the lines i think um yeah so yeah this is i love the scene because you know skyder it's it's like i don't know it's a way of showing so much that's going on underneath the surface of a character with i mean literally two words i guess four if you count the shut the hell up right but like you know skyder's at her wits end she's doing this just after she lights up a cigarette indoors etc and that's what gets marie talking about talking to her in the first place and i just love how this shows like how much she's she's fallen or like falling apart you know she's really having a hard time holding it all together her 
her husband who she tried to divorce once upon a time is now moving back in and cooking meth once again. And she feels like her family's in danger, et cetera, et cetera. And she is reaching her breaking point. It's kind of interesting when you, when you hear that scene again, because you start to think that maybe Marie is sort of all of us. Like maybe we wouldn't be as blunt saying like, Oh, you really can't smoke inside, but she really is sort of the surrogate for the audience here because she's, truly the most normal of everybody. She's leading a, a pretty regular life. I mean, even Hank has a, a rather unusual business that he's in. You know, he's he's working for the DEA, which is not Marie is just sort of, you know, she has her flaws, but they're relatively minor. She she wants she loves her family. She wants to see them do well. But, you know, she's sort of like us in that scene reacting pretty normally to someone who, you know, for her for her purposes, is doing something that's counter to who she knows. It's a good point, and it makes me think back to my previous comment about her conversation with Walt as well. I think she often fills this role of sort of like the audience standing in. She's the one who actually is not involved in anything. She's not like perpetrating the crimes, nor is she investigating them. She's just the right. you know supportive wife, sister, like sister-in-law, aunt, etc., bystander. And so, yeah, that's a really good point. I hadn't thought about it exactly that way before, but but I think you're right. And so we we sort of can sort of get caught up in Marie's storylines, Marie's um, discussions, Marie's conversations, et cetera, uh, as if we're sort of in her role. Yeah. I'll just say that I had a, a quick a nomination, um, honorable honorable mention for best moment. And it's just this part where Skyder uh, comes out of her room after taking a nap and Walt and Holly, by the way, <laughs> little young baby <laughs> Holly and uh, Walter Jr. are watching Scarface, and this is what uh, what Walt says. It's, oh, everyone oh, dies in this movie, don't they? Maybe a little bit on the nose, Josh, but just well, everybody also, dies in this movie. Man, it's uh, it's quite an omen there. It's also a little bit on the nose. I didn't love this this scene only for the purpose of. I remember when they were doing press for the final season of Breaking Bad and really even maybe even before that. But Vince Gilligan would talk all the time about how his idea for Breaking Bad was this guy who went from Mr. Chips to Scarface. So like he's been building Walt into sort of this this crazy, crazed character, you know, like the movie Scarface. And it's a little on the nose for me for them to like play a clip from the movie in the show. It's like we if you can't get it from just watching the show you know it's probably not as as clear as you wanted it to be so maybe we didn't need to have the movie playing in there plus i have to imagine the licensing fees <laughs> to play a little clip you know of al pacino is is uh is is quite hefty yeah it's got to be no kidding uh yeah i mean if i have a complaint it's just that it's a little bit too on the nose but i still yeah. thought it was a pretty good moment what's your best moment for no, this yeah. episode well, my best moment probably truly was the shut up moment that you picked. But just to just to have something different, I, I really also like this moment where, you know, uh, Jesse has sent Skinny Pete and Badger on a mission to get cases big enough to transport their meth lab equipment from the pest control trucks into the houses. But they need it to go through doors. So they settle on, you know, equipment that usually transports musical instruments. And they're in this music store and there's no audio here, but. We open the scene with Skinny Pete playing 
a classical piece of music. I don't know if you you know what it is. Are you you play piano, right, Zach? I do. Yeah, I don't remember what the piece is though. Um, but I did find out. This is interesting. I did find out that I, what's the I think the actor's name is Charles Baker or something. Um, yeah. But he actually plays keyboard, so that's that's really him yeah. doing it in real life. And he's a he's a some, somewhat of a pianist. What I like about this moment, though, as a best moment, is that. You know, on the outside, Skinny Pete looks like a degenerate. You know, we know he's a he's a drug user, drug dealer. We don't think much of him as a person. You know, he's sort of a throwaway. But it's just a really small moment where you say you can sort of see that he truly is a more well-rounded person than we ever knew. And I think that's just sort of a very small way of saying that's probably true for almost anybody you meet in life. That there's more to them than what you see on the outside or what you initially know of them. And so just for that little reason that yes, there's probably more to skinny Pete than we know. It's just a very nonverbal way of, of saying that of course, Badger sort of makes a joke and like plays this awful chord on the guitar, which throws skinny Pete off, but so there's probably something about Badger. Yeah. There's probably something about Badger. We don't know. And I just like that we get that little moment without them really needing to explain, like we don't need more about skinny Pete as a character, you know, for them to take five minutes to explain in a scene. But this was just a nice 10 second way of showing that. Oh, I like that. That's a good interpretation. One that I hadn't thought of. My runner up to this, this is that when they're, when they're touring the tortilla factory for a potential cook site there, you know, Walt immediately shuts it down. Jesse is obviously very interested because he, he's like eyeing the tortillas the whole time. He's like, well, maybe free tortillas if we get to cook here. Yep. And <laughs> you know, Walt shuts it down, but on their way out, he like grabs one of the fresh tortillas off the, conveyor belt and grabs it and and you know having had fresh tortillas in the past i mean who wouldn't Fantastic. they're great so good yeah that was a great scene i love how he like he exits frame i think right and then comes back in yeah. to grab the yep. tortilla. yeah it's good yep it's um great. okay so let's go to best writing my best writing is really your i agree with your selection but in the interest of just having some variety uh, i want to talk briefly about this moment where we have um walt and jesse discussing um uh, Andrea, Jesse's girlfriend, um, after one of their cooks, they're in one of the clients, you know, pest control houses, et cetera. And they're watching the three stooges on TV. And Walt starts talking about Andrea and how Jesse should tell her what his secrets are, you know, that he's cooking meth, that he has killed Gail Bedecker, et cetera, because secrets kill relationships. And Walt says like, trust me, I should know, et cetera. And then Jesse's like incredulous, like, really, you think I should tell her everything, including Gail? And and Walt basically says, you know, I know you'll make the right decision. Whatever you decide will be the right decision. And in other words, like, you know, only you can make this decision, et cetera. And it's interesting that, like, on the face of it, this seems like Walt is being transparent and upfront and saying what is in Jesse's best interest because, objectively, secrets do kill and, and secrets do break relationships, et cetera. And all that's true on the outside from Walt's perspective, but... At a deeper level, I think there's more manipulation going on that we have gotten used to in the father-son kind of distorted relationship here where Walt is actually trying to steer Jesse towards an outcome that he wants. Namely, he wants Jesse and Andrea separated. And why? Because if Jesse doesn't have Andrea and Brock in his life anymore, he doesn't have like you know those things to like live for and prioritize, et cetera. And so he'll be more committed to the cook, more committed to the operation, probably easier for Walt to boss around, et cetera. And so what ends up happening is Jesse ends this relationship with Andrea um, because entirely because of the advice from Walt. Um, and Walt spins it as like, I just really care about you and I really think that you guys are great together, et cetera. But here's the thing, you need to tell her everything. And that's like too much for Jesse to bear. 
And I think Walt knows that. And so he ultimately gets what he wants, but it's really sad because he he destroy he destroys Jesse's relationship um, in the process. Yeah, you know, you bringing this this scene up again made me rethink it because when I was initially trying to pick a best writing or best scene, which are typically sort of the biggest meatiest things we talk about, I sort of glossed over this one because I don't really love this scene in the in the episode. I find Agreed, it yeah. rather dull. But actually, when you started talking about it again, it, it brought to mind so many different thoughts. One of which is I also think he might be trying to end this relationship because it's a possibility that Brock connects two and two and figures out that Walt maybe had something to do with how he got sick. And then he tells Jesse, I mean, there is a moment where I I think it's earlier in this episode where Walt and Brock are sitting on the couch together and Walt just gives them a look. And it's sort of like almost, you know, it's like creepy, but, you know, it's like, oh, are you the candy man who gave me the berries? (laughs) Yeah. And then, you know, thinking about this as best writing, it actually makes a lot of sense because to your point, Walt is saying like, look, lies, you know, can can kill and, you know, like secrets can kill. But but really, Walt is not in he has he has very little grasp on what is happening in his own relationship. Like he is of the opinion that because he's told Skylar everything, things are going to be OK. But really, that couldn't be further from the truth. In fact, it's actually probably damaging them more than anything else. And we're it's going to come to a head in the next episode and just how just how bad that fracture is. The other thing I like about this in terms of the writing is, is in what's not said. So they're sitting in this house watching TV, but it's sort of like, you know, and you mentioned it's like a father son sort of just kick back, watch TV, but it's like a bizarro world because they're in their hazmat suits. They're in a house that doesn't belong to them. So nothing about it is actually right. It doesn't feel right. And so just on the surface, like the way that it's written, they didn't have this conversation in Jesse's house or in Walt's house, like a normal situation. They clearly had it in this sort of weird, otherworldly, like strange situation, which I think is Would you say was done on purpose. Kafkaesque. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> then the other thing about it is too, is they're watching the three stooges, which, you know, at first I didn't I didn't put much thought into, but then just thinking about it. Like the three stooges are like completely slapstick. So like they try a lot of schemes and like, you know, it's very goofy. And really what Walt and Jesse are attempting here is very goofy. Like they're trying to infiltrate houses and keep a bunch of people quiet and cook meth and hope that it works out. But are the cards all going to crumble? Is the house going to fall down around them? We don't know. But maybe there is some thematic reason that they're showing the three stooges. So maybe, Zach, you've stumbled onto a very rich text here for a best writing nominee. Well, I will also say exactly. the, three, the Three Stooges nomination or the Three Stooges reference could potentially be like a little bit of a sort of um, satire of the uh, the new three way partnership between Drake, true. Mike Walt, and Jesse. So I kind of like that that uh, sort yeah. of comedic element as well. That's true. All right, so let's talk real quick about your best writing nomination. This is what I would have chosen for mine as well, but you beat me to the punch, and here it is. Been thinking about Victor. All this time, I was sure that Gus did what he did to send me a message. Maybe there's another reason. Like what? Victor trying to cook that batch on his own, taking liberties that weren't his to take. Maybe he flew too close to the sun. Throat 
Yeah, I, I really love this this scene. We talked a, a little bit about this in the first two episodes of this of this season about is Walt, in fact, the one who's flying too close to the sun. And I think that in this situation, he's talking about Mike, about how maybe Mike is the one who should be careful because maybe he's the one who's pushing his limits. You know, whether that results in in Mike getting hurt himself or someone he knows getting hurt or what, we don't know at this point. But I think it's interesting. I like the writing because I think he's talking about Mike, but we, the audience, knows that maybe it's Walt who's actually the one who's flying too close to the sun. And so I think it works in in two ways. And I found that really interesting. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. I completely agree. Uh, it's delivered so well. I think, like, I was just thinking, is this about Mike? And I was thinking that mostly on the rewatch, because on the first watch, I was like, who's he talking about? What's his point here? But is this about Mike? Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think it is. And I think it's it's sort of, it's like, it's not a direct threat to Mike, but Walt is telling Jesse in maybe in the hopes that Jesse will relay that to Mike, like, Mike, right. you got to cool down, like, you know, maybe we maybe we don't give so much money per batch to to your guys. And, you know, Walt has a way of we you know, we already talked about just in your your best writing of a way of manipulating Jesse without directly saying something. And so it could be the same same thing here. Maybe he's planting the seeds for the plant to sprout from Jesse. Yeah, it totally makes sense. Took that metaphor all the way through. I was like, wow, that's, that's <laughs> you're really you're really running with it there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice. Um, all right. Any nits to pick in this episode, Josh? Yeah, I I don't have any specific nits to pick. I, I just didn't really love this episode. I mean, it certainly serves a point. And it's, you know, as we've talked about before, even a bad breaking bad episode is is a pretty good episode of TV overall. But yeah, no, no specific nits to pick. So um, I already talked about how I think the uh, everyone dies in this movie is like a little bit too on the nose. So that's a little yeah. bit of a nitpick there. Um, and like more of a meta nitpick. It's not really necessarily about this episode, although it features in here. I'm just wondering why the DEA doesn't have a, a tighter leash on Jesse. And I understand that Hank beat him up. And so like Hank personally can't go after right. him because he'll be sued for harassment, et cetera, all that. But they know that Jesse's been involved in this stuff. Jesse was connected with their blue meth early on and so i'm just wondering like how jesse has car blanche to just run around town and do all this stuff you know like it would be yeah, pretty easy to that's a good point to notice him like donning a pest control hazmat suit and walking into a house <laughs> and then if you notice that it'd be pretty also pretty easy also to notice his like old high school chemistry teacher doing that and you'd be like oh this is unique that's weird and so yeah, yeah so i'm just wondering how exactly, how plausible it is that they would just have like complete freedom to do whatever they want to do. I mean, Walt even walks into these places like not, not, um, I mean, he's suited up, but he's not like in disguise. Like if, if you yeah. know Walt, if he taught your high school chemistry class, you'd recognize him and you'd be like, why are you in pest control now? Like <laughs> talk to me, talk to me yeah. about that, you know? Um, so or I just, I thought you owned a car wash. Why are you right, reading this? Exactly. So it, it all just seems like a little bit too cavalier for me. Um, and maybe that's part of the like persona. Like that's the new Heisenberg. You know, he has that, uh, has that new or not, I guess it's not new, but he's sporting it now that hat, right. That he really likes. And, um, yeah, maybe that's just part of the thing. So, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. All right. Well, that's all I've got. It is time now for the MVP tally before we wrap this episode up. So who is your MVP for this episode, Josh? Oh, I don't know. This one's kind of tough. Uh, you know, based on our conversation early in the podcast, maybe I should just give it to coffee because it seems like it's a MVP like, yeah. for a lot of people. But but if I have to choose someone from this episode, 
I, I guess I'm going to give it to Walt. Uh, I think he does just enough in this episode and certainly he drives the plot forward and certainly drives sort of everything moving forward from this episode. And he is sort of the central figure. Um, so I'm going to give it to him. You're such a Heisenberg fanboy. <laughs> I mean, uh, it is about him. The show's about him. I believe Heisenberg is German for Scarface. Is that correct? <laughs> uh, just kidding. Should uh, we have a separate category for Walt and for Heisenberg? Like, uh, like it's uh, oh, depending on which persona it's, it's he has. It's a good point. It's a good point. You know, it's funny. As I've been going through some of these, like, forums and stuff, um, for season five especially, there are lots of people who, like, try to pinpoint the moment that Walt becomes Heisenberg and, like, you know, like this is the the part that completes his transformation or whatever. And like, I just think it's it's definitely overplayed. You know, the the point is not that there's like a singular moment where like all of a sudden, boom, right. he's Heisenberg. Like it's it's a gradual transformation, and that's exactly like one of the lessons of this show. You know, it's what um what Hannah Arendt when she was um uh, commenting on the trials in the aftermath of World War II, where all these Nazis were tried. You know, she called it the banality of evil. Like evil sometimes just creeps up on us because it is like so apparently normal, and then before we know it we're way in over our heads doing atrocities that we never could have imagined doing, you know? And like, that's the point here. It's not like, it's not like there's, there's one moment, one point in which Walt's like, I'm all of a sudden Heisenberg, you know, we've talked about <laughs> inflection points before, and there are certainly yeah. like choices where he can take the, you know, the, the right hand path or the left hand path. Um, but there's not like one key decisive moment where all of a sudden the old Walter White is gone and it's only Heisenberg. Yeah, I would direct these commenters to our podcast because we've talked about different moments where it could have been, but it's not a certain, it's not a comic book where like he's bitten by a spider and all of a sudden <laughs> yeah. he's Heisenberg. Exactly, exactly. He's bitten by the blue bat and he's Heisenberg. Precisely. Uh, okay, so I think Walt's a great choice. For me, it was between two people, um, Walt and Marie. Marie, for the uh, the reasons I already talked about, like I think she's pivotal in that scene with Walt and kind of bringing out the cynical side, the perhaps we could say the Heisenberg side of Walt. And then the conversation with, with um, Skyler as well, when we have Skyler say shut up no less than 14 times. Uh, so I'm going to give it to Marie here. That's her fifth overall. Walt just got his 26th overall. Um, now two ahead of Jesse, who's sitting at 24. So that's all we've got, I think. Did we miss anything for this episode, Josh? I think that's it. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening to another episode of Breaking Pod. If we miss anything or you want to weigh in on our discussion, send us a note, breakingpod at vernacularpodcast.com. And until next time, I'm Zach. And I'm Josh. Have a great week.